Today I want to talk to you about the realized presence of God. Everybody say the realized presence of God. Now I know all of you aren't natural native born Texans. If you're going to say it like I say it, you're going to have to sound a little more Texan. The realized presence of God. You see? Can you see? The realized presence of God. I remember clearly the first time I experienced the realized presence of God. I had the great advantage of being raised in a Christian home. Folks took me to church and, and my family, we, we built our lives around the house of God. Thank God for it. So when I was like four and a half, five years old, right in that season of my life, uh, I was sitting back on the right-hand side of our little Pentecostal church. My pastor was behind the pulpit. I can see him in my mind's eye today as clearly as I'm looking for you. I can see the, the, the platform, the altars, and the organ, and the piano, and all that. It's just an indelible portrait in my mind. And the Spirit of the Lord came down upon me just as a small boy and called me into ministry and, and spoke to me His will for my life. That destiny I'm living out to this very day. At four and five years old, you don't remember a lot. I, I don't remember a lot at four and five years old. But I had such an encounter with God that He imprinted me and indelibly uh, captured my heart and spoke to me His will and His way for my life. And though I have stumbled, fallen, and taken a few detours, I've never strayed from the path He put me on as a small boy. But in that moment, I experienced the realized presence of God in such a way that shaped my whole life. When I was 11 years old, mom and dad sent us to a youth camp. I know you've got one coming up soon. And they're important because I can tell you, kids' lives are never the same when you send them to youth camp every summer. The money you spend is nothing. So mom and dad faithfully sent me to Lufkin, Texas, to our church's youth camp. And so a great message was preached. I don't know who preached it or what they said. All I know was at the end, the presence of God came down on me. And in that moment, I knew for certain it was my time to walk an aisle and make a public confession of my faith. I never thought of myself as a a sinner. I was just a kid. I wasn't good or bad or anything like that. I was just a kid. But I knew that God had called me and he gripped my heart and pulled me down to that altar. It was in that altar that I gave my heart to the Lord. And God became very real to me that moment. It was like no one else was there. It was just me and God in that time. Some of you remember that moment for yourselves. Several months later, I would turn 12 on a Wednesday night when we had our, our pastor's Bible study. Of course, saints of God was worshiping. I was sitting on the left side about midways back with my Aunt Albert, and we're singing and worshiping God. The saints of God are enjoying the presence of God. And once again, the realized presence of God came down upon me. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, standing in, the, in the, the pews. I began to speak in a language that I had never learned before. I still speak in tongues this very day. It was at that moment when God came out of infinity. He came out of heaven. He came out of the invisible and became very tangible and very real to me in that moment. He's still very real to me today. Several months later, my Sunday school teacher... Uh, would ask me to prepare um, a little five-minute teaching to my fellow students. I was like 12 years old. And so uh, taking it very seriously, knowing what my life would ultimately be about, even though I never told anyone, 
I began to just pray and read my Bible, and these words just swelled up inside of me like I was going to rupture if I didn't somehow say them. And so I stood in front of my, my little class. There might have been 25 students there. It was a large Sunday school class, but it wasn't that large. And so I stood up, and I'm just a scared kid, but I've got this big message that feels like it's just about to blow up. Something's going to just happen if I don't say it. And I began to say these simple words of a child about the Holy Spirit and what He wanted to do in our lives. The glory of God came down upon that little class. I'll never forget it. My friends that knew me just like they knew each other came down and gave their hearts to the Lord. Some of them were baptized in the Holy Spirit and we disrupted the whole Sunday morning. But it was a moment when God just came down and He was so real. It was unbelievable. I could go on and on and talk to you about those kind of events. I chose to use the early part of my life, but I could talk about the last year or two years if I wanted to, because my life has been marked and channeled by encounters I've had with God when God came out of the infinity and came down and visited me personally. I'm not trying to be over-spiritual. I'm certainly not perfect or sinless in any way. I'm just telling you that God wants to become very personal and very intimate, and He wants us to have regular encounters with Him where we realize His presence. So let me ask you this. Do you remember the first time you experienced the realized presence of God? Where were you? Who were you with? How old were you? What happened as a result that first time? Do you realize that there are lots of Christians that really don't have an answer to that question? Let me give you a second question I want you to consider as I share this with you this morning. When was the last time you had a serious realization of God's presence? I'll give you a story that you'll remember. I'll just kind of paraphrase it for time's sake today. But there were two men that were disciples or followers of Jesus. They had witnessed his ministry, his arrest, his trial, his beating, his crucifixion. And they were there to hear from the women and the disciples that went to the tomb and found out that he had resurrected. And so they're walking down the road to Emmaus, which is probably not more than four miles from Jerusalem, a short walk for anyone in those days. And as they're walking, they're talking back and forth, and I'm sure it must have been in an excited fashion, as they're saying, did you hear what Peter said? Did you hear what Mary said? He's alive and he's not dead anymore. And while they're in this conversation, walking down the road, a third party walks up and just joins their little walk. And enters into the conversation. They begin to tell him what had happened. And before you know it, he's interacting with them. And he's contributing to the conversation. And later they would say, did not our hearts burn within us as we walked along the road? They came to Emmaus and turned off the road to go to their home. And they invited this unknown party to join with them. And he did. And while they were eating there, the Bible says that God opened their eyes. And suddenly they realized... This is Jesus, the resurrected Savior, and we've been walking with Him all the time and didn't even realize it. So in that moment, God opened their eyes so they realized the resurrected Jesus was, had been with them all the time. 
There are those moments when God seems to open our eyes to what always is. When he causes us to realize what we may have forgotten, we were aware of, but was not currently in that frame of mind. It was a moment when they realized the presence of God. Now, you know, God is everywhere all the time. And you cannot actually leave his presence or enter his presence because wherever you go, he's already going to be there. And when you leave, he's still going to be where you left him. So you really can't go in and out of the presence of God because he is everywhere all the time. The psalmist David talked about where can I go to escape him? Where can I go that he's not already there? Where can I go that he cannot find me? He sees me. He knows me. We all know that God is all-knowing and he's ever-present. And we all know that he's everywhere all the time. But we don't live with a realization of it moment to moment to moment. And my concern is these moments of realization get too far apart. The apostle said in the book of Acts, In him we live and move and have our being. It's like he's like the water the fish swims in. He's our environment. He's where we live. In him we live and move and have our being. It's like the air, the environment of oxygen that you and I live in. It's everywhere. And you and I can't survive unless we're in an environment of oxygen. We're not going to make it. Like without thinking about it today, you and I are just breathing in and out and taking in oxygen. And it's the very essence of our lives. If for any reason the oxygen was gone or somehow we quit breathing, we're gone. It's over with. God is like the air that we live in. In him we live and move and have our being. He's the very air that we breathe. And even when we don't realize it and we're unconscious of it, we are living off of His life. We're living off of His very being. In Him we live. So right now we're all in an atmosphere that's beautiful and it's pleasant. We're not thinking about air. We're just breathing in and out. Everything's cool. But if suddenly the air was gone, we'd get real concerned, wouldn't we? Or let's say one of the air conditions that we love and appreciate so much here in Texas started blowing and suddenly you weren't feeling air, you weren't conscious of any air, but then the air condition turned on and then you could feel air moving. So there is air still and then there's air moving. There's just the air that is our atmosphere that we're breathing in and out and then there is air that's moving. The Spirit of God is the air we breathe. But that same spirit moves. You know, in spirit-filled churches, we have unique vernacular and terminologies and things and concepts that we, we use that not all Christians use. One of those would be, we talk about the moving of the spirit. We talk about a move of the spirit. What does that word mean? What are we referring to? We're referring to when the constant presence of God, omnipresence of God that you can't leave or enter or get away from, when suddenly it begins to be active and starts to manifest. So you weren't aware of it, but whoa, now you're aware of it. Like, whoa, God is here right now. 
So we call that a move of the Spirit. It's the difference in wind that is still and wind that is moving. Do you remember the first time you felt the wind of God blow across your being? You know, we measure, um, we measure the movement of air in terms of velocity. And there are, you know, there's a gentle breeze and then there can be a very high wind. Uh, in 2005 and 2008, we had intense hurricanes that carried a lot of high wind, more so than you and I experienced with Harvey last year. And um, because there's a boy in all of us men, uh, so we stood outside the church in 115 or 20 mile an hour wind just because, because. I know it's not smart, but men don't always do smart things. We just wanted to do it so I could tell you I did it. And so you're standing out there in this 120 mile an hour wind, and it's just like standing up at the back of a pickup truck going 120 miles an hour. You can't stand there very long. It's an awesome thing. But it's the intense winds. So wind is marriage in velocity. And we talk about the realized presence of God and the moving of His Spirit. Uh, there are different intensities and there's different velocities. There are gentle breezes of the Holy Spirit, and then there are intense winds of God. And we have to be sensitive to the gentle breezes as well as to the intense winds of God. Now, if I drop back in, in time and I tell you about some of the great windstorms of God, I would talk about high-velocity moments. But life is not filled with those high-velocity moments. There's a lot of gentle breezes that are critical to my walk with God and critical to my spiritual health. Because God doesn't always move with a hurricane-force wind. Sometimes it's a gentle breeze, but we have to be sensitive and responsive to the gentle breezes. I believe the key to walking in the realized presence of God is there are several of those. One would be you've got to keep your mind right. If your mind gets off track, it becomes a barrier. It's an enemy to the things of the Spirit. Read Romans chapter 8. The other thing is you have to be responsive. There is something about the Holy Spirit that if you respond, He responds. And if you respond some more, He responds some more. But if you ignore, deny, or don't realize, or whatever, the Holy Spirit tends to back off. He doesn't have to, and there could be an exception, but I'm just talking about life. So when you feel a gentle breeze, if you respond to God, then automatically He responds. Like James said... Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Uh, and of course, He's talking about how that if you reach out, He'll reach back. And, and if you respond to God, He'll respond to you. But I want to tell you, if you ignore God, deny God, and, and push God out with it, lots of noise and activity in life, pretty soon you won't even recognize or hear His voice or feel His Spirit. There is a sensitivity to the Spirit. Be responsive. If you want to have the kind of church where the Spirit of the Lord is strong and, and where people come in and they're not familiar with our songs or our manner of worship, but they encounter the realized presence of God, you be responsive. They may not know how to respond. They may not be comfortable responsive. That isn't their personal culture. But when you're responding and you're locked into the Spirit, automatically there's an overflow. There's an overflow. So be responsive to the Spirit in your prayer time, when you're driving your automobile, when you're taking a walk, 
whatever you're doing, be responsive to the Spirit and be sensitive to the gentle breezes and the quiet, still voices. And if you will, if the wind will get stronger and the voices will get louder and more frequent. This is the way we draw near to God. He draws near to us. Can you say amen? amen. Now when your pastor was a, a teenage um, young man, unmarried, he was with me for several important years of his life, one of those being 1996. I forgot exactly how old he was. He worked as a part of our youth leadership team and did a marvelous job. I saw then the leadership and the potential that was on his life that you get to enjoy here every day. 1996, uh, Saturday night, I, I couldn't sleep over the night. I'm walking back and forth, pacing like a lion in the cage on our wooden floor, trying to hear God, feel God, knowing something's up and not knowing what to do. And the Lord spoke to me and said, tomorrow I'm going to begin to do something, start to have consecutive services. It was September the 1st. I walked into Sunday morning service and all heaven opened and came down upon us. The glory of God was so strong in that place, I'd never felt it like that before. And I can tell you that it had nothing to do with the worship and had nothing to do with the preaching. It had nothing to do with how well the building was kept. It had nothing to do with how well the ushered, ushers, ushed, and the, and the teachers taught. It had nothing to do with that. It was just a sovereign move of God. Frank was with me during that time. For 30, for 30 days, we had church every night. Every night, people got saved. Miracles took place. People came back to Christ. I'd never experienced anything like that intense, that strong a win in that 30-day period I'd ever experienced. Later, we'd go to a Wednesday through Sunday and then a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And several months later... I felt like the season was over and it, and it ended. And, um, but it was during that time that we experienced the high velocity of God. So life is not all about those mountaintop experiences. Uh, you know, if I had time, I'd talk to you about a great move of God we experienced in 2011 and then one just a few months ago. But, but it's not about those mountaintop experiences. You see, you don't necessarily start out there. You don't live there. But it's, it's those gentle breezes in between that really make the difference. It's that walking with God, doing what's right every day, and letting the Holy Spirit speak to you and guide you that ultimately builds up to the big things. I'm convinced that when people go, of God walk with God all week long and they experience God in their personal life, when they get to church together, they have church. Unfortunately for many people, the only time they get close to God is on Sunday morning at the worship fire. Well, thank God for that. I'm just telling you, there's more if you want it. Can you say amen? I want to go just a, a little further in the remaining time I have. I've been raised with some very spiritual people, much more spiritual than I am. I really don't see myself as an extremely spiritual person, certainly not perfect or sinless or anything like that. But um, I have been around some people that I, I thought were spiritual. They sure seem to be spiritual to me. And uh, they have the ability to like be in the, the, the natural, the carnal, just live in life, and the next second just step into the spirit. I mean, they'd be just living life, you know, like my mother-in-law. Uh, you know, she can be cooking and talking on the phone and laughing and carrying on and changing diapers. And just the next second can step into the spirit and be prophesying and speaking the word of the Lord and, and just be in a spiritual moment and just be out of one into the other so fast. I'm like, how do you do that? I mean, I need a little runway. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so there is a veil. There's a veil between the natural and the spirit. And after Jesus resurrected, the veil was torn. 
And Jesus could just step out of the spirit realm into the natural. I mean, he was having, the disciples were having dinner and they were there by themselves. The doors were locked. The windows were closed because they thought they were going to get arrested and crucified. So they were hiding. And Jesus just steps out of the spiritual and steps into their natural world. And he's just standing there. Would that ever scare the bejesus out of your life? <laughs> and then a few minutes later, he finished the deal. And what happened? Steps out of the natural, right back into the spiritual. There's a veil. And I believe that God wants me to keep my veil very thin. Keep my veil very thin. There's a couple important things about keeping the veil thin. You've got to walk with God. You've got to have a prayer life. You've got to read the scripture. You've got to keep your mind on the right channel. You've got to have good habits and rituals in life. And uh, you don't have to be super spiritual. Uh, you don't have to act like you're weird. You don't have to be way out there on the deep end of spiritual things. But you really have to walk with God. And you keep the, 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 the veil very, very thin. Your mind, the mind is a carnal thing. And it has to be able to switch to the spiritual very, very quickly. And uh, staying in charge of your thought life is a key to victory in life, no question about it. In addition to that, you have to have constant interaction with God. If you realize He's always with you, He never leaves you, you're in a group, you're by yourself, driving your car, sleeping at night, working with your children, whatever you're doing, um, He's always there. Just interact with God. Just interact with God. Talk to God all the time. And uh, make him a part of your conversation. Make him a part of your vocabulary. And don't save everything you want to say to God until your night or morning prayer time. Just say it all day long. And talk to God all throughout the day and interact with him. You know, uh, um, I think it's a key to being clothed in the presence of God is just to interact with God all the time. So, you know, you're at work and you don't want to come off super spiritual. You don't want people to think you're, you're a, a little bit goofy and you don't want to be marginalized. So you want to, you, you want to come off in a way that you're believable, you're authentic, um, but you're genuine. And you have to be careful that you don't have like one, per, one image when you're at work and one image at church. Uh, but you're the same person everywhere you are. And you don't change your, your vocabulary or semantics. Uh, or you don't change those when you go to work. Just be the same person all the time. Um, and I, I don't like obnoxious Christians. I, I don't like uh, um, people that, that are pushy and are always, you know how those people are. I don't, I don't, I don't recommend that. But, but at the same time, it's much more wrong to, to leave your Christianity at church or, or to confine it to one part of your life or your root, ritual, your weekly routine. But just be who you are all the time and walk with God and talk with Him. And, you know, drive time is a great time for me because I, I drive a lot. And so that's one of the times that I'm able to, to give to God. But just constantly interact and converse with God. And pray in the Spirit. I tell you about the first time I spoke in tongues. I speak in tongues every day of my life. I don't usually don't do it in public. and I, I do it in church, but not in public. And I don't speak in tongues with people that don't understand it because they think I'm an idiot and it doesn't help anything. But I speak in tongues every day of my life uh, because I believe it keeps the veil thin. I believe it keeps me close to that spiritual world. And so um, without using it as some kind of a badge of Christianity or a super spirituality, it's just a, it's a private prayer language, and I just pray in the tongues all the time. And I, a lot of people don't know that. Some people may that are very close to me. But I just believe it keeps the veil thin. How many of you want your veil to be really thin, right? So pray in the Spirit. It, it's, it's a great key. 
You know, as I come to a close today, Moses said when he was leading the children of Israel, they were headed from bondage into the promised land of Israel. He said, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, I'm not going. That kind of commitment is what I have in my life. Lord, if I can't feel and experience your presence, if I can't walk with you closely and know and realize that you're with me every step of the way, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go without your presence. I'm not being defiant. I'm just passionately hungering for God and seeking in him. See, I want the realized presence of God. Everybody say the realized presence of God. I want it in my private devotion. I want the realized presence of God in my private devotion when it's just me and God. I want the realized presence of God in my daily life, in just my manner of living, just going about life and accomplishing responsibilities, doing whatever I'm doing. I want the realized presence of God. I I don't want to be like, I can't wait till Sunday morning. No, every day is Sunday when you're spirit-filled and you're walking with the Lord. And I sure want the realized presence of God when we're in the house of God. I don't want to go to a church that God doesn't attend. I don't want God sitting on the, uh, you know, in, in the foyer somewhere waiting until it's over with. I want Him on the stage and in the music and out in the pews and walking up and down the aisle. I want God in the house when I go to church. I, I felt the presence of Jesus here this morning. And as wonderful as you look and as kind as you are being to me right now, you don't even compare to the experience I'm having with Jesus this morning. Every time we come to church, it's like, man, we're going to get in the presence of God. We're going to experience Jesus. And that may look a little different for different people around the world and even in this city and maybe some of you. But we want the realized presence of God when we come to the house of God to worship. And finally, I want the realized presence of God when I pray for people or share my faith with people or encourage people in some way. I want to feel like God is involved. When I lay my hands on someone or join hands together, I want to feel, I want to know that God is present. I want to feel some activity in the spirit. I want the wind that was still to suddenly start moving when I'm praying. I mean, you hear my heart here today. I, I just sense that that when, when we pray with people and we're sharing our faith and we're encouraging them in their life, that there needs to be that wind of God that's moving. There's something dynamic about it. It just isn't empty hands on empty heads. But something powerful is taking place. I want to feel the wind begin to shift. You know, when I first came up here, I was shucking and jiving a little bit about Pastor Frankie and I mentioned Sarah going to the Derby and all that. And then all of a sudden... It got serious. You know what happened? The wind moved right there. Then I started praying a prophetic prayer. And we went from just saying, hello, how are you? To something moved and shifted in the spirit. I didn't pray that prophetic prayer in the first service. Because every service is dynamic. God doesn't do the same thing in every service. If you want all he's going to do this morning, that's how many you're going to have to go to. Just... Just a thought. And so even right now, I feel the energy in the Spirit. And I, I want to ask you to really get a hold of that. So my, my message and my purpose today is to really inspire you 
to reach out for the realized presence of God. You know He loves you. You know you're saved. You know He's everywhere. You know He's never going to leave or forsake you. But today we're not talking about that kind of God. We're, we're talking about a God that's still, then He moves. He's afar and then He comes close. You're aware of Him, then all of a sudden you realize He's right on top of you. I want to I want to inspire you with a hunger for that, an openness to that. Please stand. Father, I thank you for the nearness I feel of you right now. Truly, you seem extremely close. I pray that every person in this house would feel what I'm feeling right now. Thank you, Jesus. 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 I worship you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I worship you today. Let's worship Him from our hearts just for a few moments. If you want to pray in your prayer language, you can do that. That's what I'm going to do. So you can do whatever you're comfortable with. Let hearts cry out. Let hearts cry out. Let the voice of the hungry be heard in this house. going to ask our prayer partners to come forward. If you need prayer or ministry for anything in your life, you want to give your life to the Lord, you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, or you have a, a situation you need help from God concerning, if you need a brand new touch, a refreshing in your spirit, your faith, come on down. I've got some wonderful people standing with me here today, men and women that know how to pray and touch God. And if you'll come down to this altar, You'll experience the realized presence of God. This altar is open. You can come forward right now. It's not about church membership. It's not about any of that. It's just, do you want a touch of, of the Lord in your heart? Do you have something you want to present to Him? You say, Lord, I just want a refreshing. I want to invite you to come down right now. I want to invite you to come down right now, whoever you are. We always close with these altars open. Our band's going to come and sing a worship song for us this is a holy moment it's a holy moment take advantage of it it's a holy moment it's a divine opportunity it's an opening in the spirit the realized presence of God is laying heavy upon us respond to it and he will respond to you